I want to welcome uh, all of you this morning to our third day of Fall Focus. And I have mentioned the last two days that we have also had our days of prayer. Um, if you could just give, because there was a lot of work and a lot of people that put a lot of work into the Days of Prayer out back, especially the Spiritual Life Committee, give them a hand for all their work to make that possible. Hopefully, as I said, you had a wonderful time of peace uh, and connection with the Lord in that time. As the other component of Fall Focus, we have been hearing from my wife, Mrs. Jody Goldie, and we're going to hear from her today, but we're going to field and listen to questions from you, and I'll talk about that in a second as our last session together. But uh, Mr. Hag came up here to encourage us, and I roped him in to opening us up with a word of prayer. So um, I'll hand the mic to Mr. Hag. All right, we can pray. Uh, dear God, um, you are our creator. Uh, you've blessed us with these bodies, with these brains, with these emotions, with these feelings. Um, we are yours. Help us to use this time um, to listen, um, to think about ways that we can glorify you and how we think about ourselves with how we treat other people, um, with how we can be stewards of the things you've blessed us with. Uh, we know um, there's things that make us uncomfortable. There's things that make us worry, um, that make us anxious. Um, you are the one that gives us peace. And so we're thankful for that. Help us to find comfort in that. Um, Thank you for Jody and Mr. Goldie for lining up this week. Um, bless their words and their conversation today and help us to be able to um, apply what we're learning um, this week um, to this weekend um, and all of our lives moving forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Mr. Hegg. And I just want to say that this is super exciting uh, to me. When I put together and whole, the encounter committee rather talked last spring about us doing a focus, a fall focus on mental health. And um, because Jody had done some stuff for you ladies uh, as students and for us as staff, the committee said, I think it would be a good idea to have her do this. And I didn't think about the fact that we often do a Q&A at the end like this with Fall Focus, not always. But I didn't think about the fact that I'd be up here with my wife getting to talk. And it's awesome because we get a lot of time to talk together. But I'll just say, I'll open with this. Um, look, I, uh, it turns out, I live with Jody, talk with her a lot. We spend probably a couple hours a day talking. And after her talks the last two days, uh, I woke up this morning. And before my alarm went off, and I, and I reached over to, to hit the alarm, but I'd already been up for 10 or 15 minutes, you know that experience, where you're like already up, and you're like, ah, geez, what time is it? I don't even know. And then my alarm went off after about 10 or 15 minutes, and as I hit the alarm snooze button, uh, I was like, what was I just thinking about? And I asked some people this morning that question, hey, before you hit the alarm, what were you thinking about? That's the default mode network thing, right? poorly named. Uh, but I was like, it's good stuff. So I'm so thankful, wifey, that you have been sharing these things. And I th had to process, like, what was I thinking about? And what does that say? And what's going on inside of me? So you guys, uh, I asked you, both uh, students, staff, faculty, I got a, a couple of staff recommendations, but mostly students um, got actually a couple hundred questions from you. We will not be able to address all those uh, in this time. So if yours doesn't get addressed, I'm sorry. But we had a lot of, you guys asked some really amazing questions. And you asked them really, really well. So thank you for that. Is my mic going in and out? Or is it, 
Are we good? Okay, sorry, it's in, just in my ear. Uh, so I'm going to uh, just open us up with some questions that were a theme, uh, some, maybe some questions that are good opener questions, and then there are some themes we might pop around a little bit. So yeah, thanks for being here, honey. Uh, <laughs> oh, You're noticing. Is that on? Hello? Oh, oh hi. I'm noticing all the things he calls me. Honey, babe, wifey. Yep. There I you don't go. think he calls me Jody. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so. Okay. Uh, so here's the first question. First question for you is, do you have any... Can we do this? Okay. Do you have any specific habits or things that you do now that you wouldn't have done otherwise now that you are a therapist and you understand more about the brain and its functions? <laughs> because the first thing that came to my mind is actually a habit that <laughs> that I've always done. No, I'm going to out myself. A habit that I've always done, and it's a, it's a way I take care of myself, but I just need to out it because, like, we all have these things. Um, I have an obsession with maybe eating some of my feelings, and I, I yeah, yeah, I have, um, uh, and now they sell it at Costco in two packs. I have an obsession with Tostitos, oh, a three-pack, well, they're gone. So whatever it was. Um, so I, I Tostitos cheese and chips. And so my kids actually know. So they come home and if I'm like just pounding the cheese, they're like, okay, mom, is this a sad Tostitos or is this a happy Tostitos? <laughs> and so <laughs> that's really sad, but that is, I have done that since I discovered Tostitos. Wait, so. okay, the question was, what would you do? I know, I know, I just have to Now that you're a therapist, what would you do differently? And you're saying, I would eat more Tostitos cheese? Or what are we, where are we going I with that? I still do it, it's okay. still so helpful. Okay, well, but So eat your feelings? Is this is a therapist saying, eat your feelings. Uh, this is great. Well, it's been nice, everyone. Thanks for coming. Uh, I think that's a wrap. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, um, yeah. There are just things we do to regulate our bodies that, good or bad, they they kind of help. So that's one of the, that's one of the holdovers, right? But there's so many things I do differently now. Um, I and you might need to help me out. One one thing that is very different is that I um, am attached to my body now. My body is actually like you know, I actually notice it. And so I, I move my body a lot. When my brain is going crazy, um, I always say, get out of your brain and into your body. Like meaning, stop thinking, stop trying to figure it out. Most of our really good creative like stuff happens when we're actually not trying to figure things out. It happens when we're in our bodies. So like, um, I run, I'm gonna put that in quotes. <laughs> I run. Um, I love single track biking, which is 
terrifying and wonderful, and sometimes I get lost. Um, but I love single track biking or mountain biking. She's directionally challenged. I, yeah, I have problems with that. Um, I love to go on hikes. I love to swim constantly. Water is a big thing. I, I just, I love to like move my body. It's the best way that I, so that's one of the things that is very different. Um, but silence is a lot easier now than it was in the past. And so I need, I notice that because I'm attuned to everybody else in this world, like even in my family, I can feel everything. And like, we usually have somebody living in the basement. Um, that sounds weird, but we do. <laughs> it's like a live in apartment people. Yeah, it's, it's an apartment, like it's a, an apartment. Yeah. But I can even feel them down, like whoever's living there, I can feel them down in the basement. Like my radar is really big. So I have to go, <laughs> I have to go be alone and just focus on like, uh, my own thoughts and, and hearing from God. I, I, it's really hard for me to hear from God when I'm with other people. And so in order to hear him, I need to be alone. Um, one thing that I do, shout out to Jared Haig and Donnie Carlson, because Betsy Haig actually encouraged me to start, sorry, doc, Dr. Carlson, wow, um, and Mr. Haig. Um, uh, cold, cold therapy, cold water therapy, um, and breathing and things like that. And that has just been super helpful, um, for regulating my system. So I take a, I end my shower every day with a cold shower and holy cow, I don't know why, but it's amazing. It works. It's really, really helpful. Um, there's some really good studies behind it too and breathing too. So there's so many things I do. I feel like my whole entire, I used to literally just hide in my bed. That's how I would take care of myself. Um, and that is, that's not what I do anymore. Thank you. I can attest to that. There's a little, on our fridge, a little sheet of paper that has a list of physical activities that she loves to do. And it's just her way of saying like, hey, when, I get, when she gets home and she's feeling like overwhelmed from clients and the heaviness of the day, she just goes through and she looks at and she'll do one of those things. So you live that out. So I think the big, big looming question uh well actually I, I think i'll i think i'll open with this one because this one struck me i think it maybe has to do with hope is there any form of non-physical setback that you would consider irreversible so not talking about physical setbacks or mental actual disabilities but more like trauma ptsd addiction non-physical setbacks that you would consider irreversible? So like things that occur in your life that like you can't heal from? Correct. Oh, okay. Um, okay, so this is kind of how I frame it is, so a lot of the things like, um, a lot of the things that like happened to me when I was very young, um, people have asked me the question, what have you got delivered from? Or like, what, you know, how have you, whatever, those questions. And it kind of makes me frustrated because I feel like I am paying a debt for something done to me that I did not have any choice in, if that makes sense. Um, and so I, I say that because it is hard, it's hard work. Um, 
and and watching clients who have been in in a lifetime of and I'll just call it slavery because they they've been owned by people. Um, it is hard work getting out. I have never seen somebody not heal. In fact, the weirdest things is the most horrific things I've seen are the ones that for some reason like have the most complex beauty woven into them, if that makes sense, and have the most hope woven into their stories. It blows my mind how present God is in darkness. Um, and so no, I would say no, I have, I've, I've seen some pretty, pretty disgusting things that happen in people's lives. And I have, I've never not seen somebody move forward and heal. Even when, even in the midst, I work with some people who are still owned. Um, and even in that midst, I see things grow. Um, I, some people don't ever not to get, don't ever get to get unowned. Um, and I'm probably confusing people by these words, but <laughs> um, but if you're if you're in trafficking or if you're in some kind of crime and you're owned by people, um, but yet even there, I see them taking back parts of themselves where their captors don't get, and only them and God get. It's like a secret safe place that only they get to have, and it's like such a hope and such an amazingness. Um, and so to, to watch people reclaim parts of themselves and parts of their lives is fascinating. So no, I, I really can say just from experience and anecdotally, I don't believe. And I remember my uh, seminary professor, so when I was getting my master's in counseling, um, he was an older guy and he was one of the, the, one of the like pioneers of family therapy and he called um, one of the diagnoses that we use, I'm not big into diagnoses because I think they really pathologize people and don't show like the beauty of people, but he, he called- By one, diagnosis, you mean like giving someone a diagnosis? Yeah. Say you are- You, you are a narcissist. You are borderline. I'm, I'm not a fan of that. That's really hard for me. But he said that there was one category of people that he considered the throwaway people um, because there's no hope. And that's actually the people that I work with. And so I just strongly disagree. I've seen amazing beauty, so. You, at the beginning of your response, you mentioned um, paying a debt that you didn't um, sort of ask for. And one question that comes up is, um, can you share more about your trauma? And I think I know how you respond to this, but uh, the question that did come up, can you share more about your own trauma? Totally legitimate question. Um, I'm gonna get a little comfy for this one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so my default mode network was uh, hard at work this morning at 4.50 when I woke up and it was telling me all of these things about that I'm an idiot, that I was stupid, that I made a mistake, that I harm people because um, I chose in one of like uh, Goldie's philosophy classes to just say one word about my trauma. Um, and I think that's fine for some, but what happens when you say um, a word about your trauma or you name it specifically is, and especially like this kind of, and don't worry guys, I'll, I'll get to it, just hang tight. Um, 
specifically this kind of trauma, is that if anybody has something that's familiar, like nobody has my story, obviously, but if anybody has something familiar, what that does in the brain is that it opens a time capsule. It like touches a time capsule in the brain that opens. And you feel the feelings and you feel like you were at that time. So say this happened to you when you were eight and I'm talking about it up front. All of a sudden, you're 16 and you're sitting there with your classmates, but this time capsule opens in your brain and you also feel like an eight-year-old or a four-year-old or a two-year-old. And nobody wants to be in class and feel like a four-year-old, right? That's embarrassing. That feels really out of control. And so... I am very hesitant to like say anything because I don't want anybody to to feel like that and and words matter and also if you do go into that time capsule and you haven't kind of worked with it and taken care of it and rescued it and, and cared for that part of yourself um, it it just can drive the trauma deeper into your body and I don't want to do that so my default mode was yelling at me and I just want to say does God yell at us no. Would I ever have a value to yell at anybody? No. And that's how I knew my default mode was off the rails this morning because it was being really mean to me. And I was like, hey, cool out. I know this is really hard. Hopefully I'll get a chance to address it because I haven't heard any of these questions, by the way. Hopefully I'll get a chance to address it and, and tell those people like, hey, I'm sorry. Open that time capsule if I did that. That sucks. The other thing that um, I often say is, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I've pieced together a story, kind of, and I've had people in my life that have helped me know things. My sister has been really incredible. I've had doctors in my life that have been helpful to me. Um, but I don't know my story because a lot of it happened, you know, I mean, the stuff that was hard really happened before I was four. Um, if you're interested, I actually do talk about it pretty, um, I talk all about it. I have a podcast, or I don't have a podcast, but I was a guest on a podcast. Um, it's the Head to Heart podcast with Jenny Markham. And I actually talk all about that. So I, I would rather put that out there because it's already in the public. Go listen to it if you're interested. And then you can control the information and really, you know, I, so I don't have to like harm anyone. <laughs> So, sorry, no. <laughs> but it's out okay, there in the public. It's out there in yeah. the public, and it's not a secret. So, yeah, thank you. So, uh, one of the big looming questions. This there was like a lots and lots and lots of questions about this. And at first, my impulse was, um, "Oh, look, someone's sleeping. That's cute." Um, I know anybody. Yeah. At the, it happens every, <laughs> maybe, every maybe time. Just need, I just want to like. They just need a nap. I just, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, I'm like, oh, can it's we give them a bed place. and a blanket? Yeah. Um, Poor yeah, guys just, are so tired. Just, that's what you need. It's okay. Oh, that's therapeutic. Yeah. Just do okay. it. This is hard. <laughs> okay. So um, the the word that kept the questions that kept coming up were uh, actually part of me when I first read them. I was like, were people like um, were people uh, like listening? <laughs> because some of the questions are like, but then I realized, no, no, like it's hard. There's like a paradigm shift to get through like what you're after because it's a different way of thinking about things. Because some of it was like, um, what is the thing that you were talking about for two days? Um, but the 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 uh, looming question is definitely about anxiety. Okay, and so so I'll here's the wording. Uh, so anxiety is not a word. You say, and then anxiety is not a thing. Can you explain that? 
Um, and you touch on how anxiety is not a real word, uh, but feels like you never shared how to deal with it. Um, what are some ways you can actually calm your anxiety down? Uh, what do you mean by saying that anxiety is not a thing? Um, and then there's a lot of questions about like, could you model like self-help a helpful self-talk for the name and entertainment strategy, um, and what are helpful mechanisms to calm anxiety? How do you distract yourself when you're home alone and have anxiety and depression? So basically coping mechanisms, but also there's some confusion, I think, about what do you mean by saying anxiety is not a word? And uh, I'm, I'm sure the thought is like, because I feel like I have that, and that's what everyone says I have, and what can I do about it? Sorry to confuse everybody. I'm not going to fight against like the the poor, um, you know, American Psychological Association and using the word anxiety, but I wish Jak Panskep would have. Um, basically, the idea is it's not a word like when we say, oh, "I have so much anxiety right now." It's not a word that's going to help you name what's actually going on in a body. So what I want to offer to you is when you say anxiety, when you're trying to communicate or notice what's going on in your body, notice that there are two things that you need to notice. Um, so like when I was getting up here to speak, I noticed I had anxiety, right? I had a lot of like agitation, you know, in my body or whatever. I was feeling fear. I was afraid, I was afraid of looking stupid. I was afraid of saying something that's ridiculous. Well, I usually do anyway. Um, afraid of outing myself about Tostitos cheese, like all of these different things. Okay. But then when there's a different kind of anxiety, when I am feeling um, like, say, if Brian and I are having a disagreement, I know it's shocking, it actually happens. It happens a lot. We disagree on things. Um, Not a lot, a lot. A lot, a lot. <laughs> See, no, we're doesn't. disagreeing right now. Um, <laughs> but when, when we are disconnected or there's a season where we can't connect or where I'm having a really big break with a friend, that's a totally different kind of anxiety. That's that alarmed aloneness, Right? Or um, I remember feeling this a lot when I was in college because all of my friends were dudes. And in my college, we weren't allowed to hang out with dudes. And so I would sit. By the way, Northwestern has changed. Yeah, Northwestern's changed a lot. <laughs> this was 20 years ago, yes, everybody. Yeah, okay. It's a wonderful place. I, I love it. Um, but we weren't allowed to. And so I would sit in my dorm room after visiting hours and be so, I feel so disconnected. I could hear all the laughing outside from all the, like, the cool girls. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, I felt really disconnected. That anxiety that I felt, that was alarmed al aloneness, that I would never be able to connect, that everybody else was connecting and I wasn't. So I, I really want, I really, like, usually in my, in my office, like using those two ideas to help people understand what is really going in their bodies because they actually, you actually care for them in totally different ways, right? Like they're, they're extremely different relational anxiety and like fear anxiety are two totally different things. So I'm okay using the word. I just am a little hyperbolic in my, it's not a word. Um, but 
use it freely. Just know that there are two things. So um, calming it, so name it to tame it. So when you actually name it, use those words, right? No, this is fear. No, oh yeah, I'm feeling like really disconnected or alone and kind of like, you know, like I'm in a little island that nobody sees. Um, and so you talk to it differently. If it's fear, like I was just working with somebody who um, was just having huge fear that um, their partner was gonna die, right? Like their, their spouse, the person that's like their person. Um, and it was just out of nowhere and it didn't make sense. And I was like, well, I mean, they can't guarantee that they're going to survive. Like, you can't lie to your fear, right? That's not going to work. Again, thinking about these emotions like toddlers, you can't lie to toddlers. Don't worry, they're going to be fine. They don't, they, they don't believe that. So being like, you know what? That could happen, and that's really scary. But I'm right here. We're going to get through this. I know God never leaves me. I'm really, truly not alone. You know, you can name other people that might be at your side, but to like almost like name it as like, this is a fear and it's okay to be afraid of that. You just validate it. And that actually calms it down quite a bit. And then you just hold it and you and you take care of it in a different way. Um, yeah. So this is um, a question that I was, I think kind of leads up to that. Uh, let's see if I can I can find it in the list here. Um, someone said that when it comes to coping, another coping mechanism type question, and I wanted to use their words, sorry, I had it on here and I'm wondering, so, um, I know, I'm sorry. Uh, basically, the, 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 oh, here it is. Uh, when I feel anger in my hands, and I do, so it was cool to see the science behind that. Uh, I clench them. But what can I do if I'm feeling sadness or other emotions to help channel them? Do you know what I'm trying to ask? That's their wording. Channel them. I think they're asking for coping mechanisms, bodily expressions. Oh. Like anger, we do this. Is there another way to like express or channel or like deal with anxiety? Yeah. Fear and alarmed aloneness that um, are helpful. Um, okay, I'll just tell you what I do. Um, so like, I usually like kind of clue in and actually, <laughs> Betsy Haig taught me how to do this. Um, so shout out to her. So um, she kind of says, okay, where do you feel that in your body? Sadness is usually in our chest, usually hurts, right? It usually, or it's like this like aching and I'm actually doing it right now. I always want to hold my hand over my chest. This is like my favorite thing in the world to do. And there's actually a pressure point there, but it it also, it does something much deeper, I think. It like, it, it just feels like I'm not alone. Um, but noticing how to give acts of care to that emotion, again, think of it like a little kid. And I know some of you guys don't like, I'm, I'm not a, ooh, this sounds bad. I'm not a big kid fan, okay? But having my own kids, I've kind of learned like, oh, interesting, this is how you take care of humans. Um, but like, sometimes it just helps like, oh, okay, how would I talk to a kid? I'd be very tender. So I'm like, what do you, what do you want? What do you need? And sometimes it's like, I need some Tostitos. I'm like, sweet, okay, I'll get that for you. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes it's like, I just, I just need to be wrapped 
you know, in a blanket. Or sometimes it's like, I need to move my body. I need to go for a run because this is really uncomfortable. I need to move. Cool. So, like, it's weird because you can clue into your body, and your body gives a lot of signals around what it wants. Um, so if you can validate it and then clue into, like, what it wants. Sometimes it maybe it needs to worship. Maybe it needs to, like, I know for a lot of my clients and for me, sometimes, like, emotions are too big. And so I just, you know, I'm like, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> Literally, like, <laughs> Jesus, I need you to hold this emotion. And this is this is one of the things that I've learned so much is I have had to learn how to be kind to myself because I had never received that modeling very much. And so the person that has been the kindest to me is Jesus. He blows me away because he goes to the most disgusting parts of me and he is so kind. And so if I'm really stuck with an emotion that I hate, because I do have a lot of emotions that I, I have a lot of disgust around, I'm just like, Jesus, can you kind of show me what to do? And it might be over time, might be over like weeks or months or, or days or whatever, but like show me what the heck to do, he says, right? We need, if we lack wisdom, he'll give it to us. And so I watch him interact with that emotion. And I have learned a ton from him about how to care for things because he is such a good, 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 kind father. And I love watching what he does, so. Actually, um, gets after the other question, which is the relationship between spirituality and dealing with these things. So, thank you. Um, I think there's a we've got time for just a couple more questions. Uh, and there is a uh, how do you distinguish? Maybe th this is I'm going to mold two together. How do you know the difference between anxiety and just stress, or something like anxiety and like a medical condition? say that yeah that's that's kind of three or four questions yeah. that are lumped together but or themes um stress it, i feel like our maybe it's like our western culture or whatever we downplay stress so much um and there there's there's a good level of stress like they've done they've done a lot of studies and there is like this great amazing like motivating amount of stress and then when it goes past that it is there is nothing good that comes of it really truly your brain goes offline your stress systems do that do do that they go nuts and it floods your body in ways that are really really dangerous to your health so like a little of stress awesome super motivating power you know do it a lot of stress very dangerous. Um, and remember, our body doesn't know the difference between physical pain and emotional pain. They both cause stress. So um, uh, actually, when I was speaking in Jordan, one of I was speaking last year when I went, and I was speaking on trauma. And the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night, and he was like, hey, Jode, by the way, don't use the word trauma here. And I was like, what? This is like my whole entire talk is on trauma in the brain. And he's like, nope, use stress. And I was like, but it's not the same. And he's like, but it was. This is how I talk with the Lord. I kind of fight with him a lot. He's great. He loves to do it. Um, and then finally, I was like, no, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. And he said, Google it. <laughs> So I Wait, Googled God it. God directed you to Google. <laughs> Sometimes so he knows I trust that. Google a little bit more than him. 
And it, I mean, yeah. You don't need to be that honest. <laughs> it's real. It's horrible, but it's real. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm walking. Um, but uh, I, I Googled it, and he was right. <laughs> Weird, huh? Weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, uh, when I, when I talked with my um, Jordanian interpreter, who, who has the same training as me in complex trauma, I asked her, I was like, the Lord woke me up and said this, is this weird? And she goes, actually, no, we don't have a word for that in our language. The word is shock, but that's not what trauma is. Trauma is just stress. It's just a lot of stress on your body. And then over time, that impacts your body in very negative ways. And because over time it impacts your body in very negative ways, I don't think I have any client that also doesn't have some kind of significant physical stuff going on, like an autoimmune disorder or heart or or all of the and and actually genetic things get turned on and off by our by our tra um, trauma stress. Okay, that's called epigenetics. If you've ever if you want to get real nerdy, it's the best. It's such a great area to research. Um, so. Like for me, um, I cannot, I cannot not work with medical providers too, because the medical and the physical or the you know emotional they they both have so many overlays because of that stress. Okay, how do you know the difference between just stress and anxiety? I don't know. <laughs> That's a really well, good question. Thanks a lot. <laughs> uh. I guess, I guess, I guess maybe like noticing those levels of stress, is it motivating, right? If it's motivating and it's helping you to get things done and you can think clearly and your brain stays online, that's like the good stress. When it kind of probably goes above that, that's when I would say it's probably in that fear anxiety stage where it becomes like, uh, this actually might be bad for your body and might be flooding you with too much stress chemicals. And that's hard, every body is different. I mean, I just went and had my you know well visit or whatever and she's like, I don't know, everybody's different. And I was like, what, <laughs> my doctor just said that? That's awesome. Um, I know, <laughs> that was good. Um, but like, you you have to know like kind of what your levels are around stress and what is motivating and what is demotivating and everybody's going to be different at at that and there's nothing wrong with that it's just how we're all created very differently in that area so I don't know if I answered that question like well but yeah. do you think it's because it's complicated on a person by person basis I think it really is yeah yeah. yeah. Um, so some people in here, I think, might resonate with some of this, uh, which is, okay, all right, fine, deal with your mental health. Okay, like how do you balance dealing with your mental health and taking time to sit with your emotions versus the, hey, I just got to grind through this? Or uh, how do you know when to listen to your body or just keep going? Fair question. Fair question. Yeah. Um, I would say that you will have better performance in whatever you're grinding on if you would just take five seconds and do this brain thing where you clue into your body. Like if you just take five seconds and say, what am I feeling right now? What is happening inside of me? 
just five seconds to look inside what's going on. Oh, that's what's going on. Your performance will go so much better. If you are running a race, like if you're in cross country, if you're doing a sport, if you're setting down for, for an exam or whatever, if you just take five seconds and check inside, notice it, name it, hold it for just a tiny bit, it will, it will ground you just a little bit more to push through a little bit more. So. Thank you. Um, we have probably time for just uh, a couple more, maybe. But I have to, there's one I want to ask, but there's others that emerged more frequently. A lot of you guys asked about anger. Uh, and so the emotion heat map showed anger rating into the hands. Uh, is it healthy to find something appropriate to hit, uh, like a pillow or punching bag, in response to anger? Um, what actions would you take in dealing with someone with anger problems? Uh, what classifies as having anger problems? What should I do when I get extremely angry? Hmm. Um, the, the research is really, like, not all... It's kind of all over the place as, as far as whether you should like hit something. Um, I I actually it depend. I work with a lot of people who are very frozen and have not been able to move their bodies in order to do any of those things. So I I think it's I I think it can actually, but it has to be like safe, right? Like um, like I like uh, Jared and Kit do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. That's like fantabulous way of moving your body in a way that's like really helpful. Um, and having a lot of control. Um, there is a difference between anger, which is actually like a very positive, you know, thing, and it can help you understand what is going on inside of you and what you need to notice and where an injustice is done. There's a difference between that and rage. Rage is kind of a whole different level where you reach a, a point of not being able to control. And sometimes we call it dissociative rage where you just are not present. That is a pretty big issue if you're, if you're dealing with that because that, that just, that signals something much deeper that needs to be addressed. So if, if you're having anger where you're actually like, harming people with your words with your you know you're actually going into that point of rage where your brain is not online and that that needs to be addressed probably with a with with the help of some care of some kind with mentors with pastors with um professionals whatever would be i don't know if that answers but yeah okay uh last question very quickly 30 seconds about eight people asks how do you become a therapist? What do you do? Uh, so, like, what's it like being a therapist? Favorite part of being a therapist? Uh, so, anything speaking to us, a lot of questions, but like, basically, I think some people are kind of like, wow, how do you do that? It, I, I mean, clearly, I love it. It's like my favorite thing in the world. The least stressful part of my job, job is definitely my clients. Like, I, I like love, I, I get to sit with my favorite humans in the world all day long. It's like the coolest job. Um, sorry. You're my favorite human in the world. It's <laughs> all right. Um, I went to Northwestern. I got a psychology degree. I make a good meal once in a while. You right? do make really good meals, babe. <laughs> um, I I got um, I got my master's degree. Then you go get licensed. It's a lot of hoops. I will say that there's other paths. Um, there's community-based care. There's things you can do where you don't have to get all the degrees, but you can do a lot of the same stuff, which is really really great. But I love it. Okay. <laughs> Isn't she great?
Let's give her a hand, uh, Jody Goldie, and thank you, students. Let me just say this. Um, I want to leave you with a benediction. Southwest, you are fully, fully known by a God who makes it so you are never alone. He loves you. He's with you. He knows you in your fears and in your stress. Go in peace.